Good morning. So, um, Proverbs 10, verse 3, proverb of the day, the Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Wow. Okay, so um, there is just something that uh, can't be satisfied by anything but a pursuit of God, and um, that's, that, that proverb tells the same thing. Today we're, in the, um, in the, we're still in the series, Growing Positive, and today I want to talk to you about confidence. Confidence. I, I think we have a, a real crisis of, of confidence, not just in our local community, but I think in our country and actually in the whole world, but especially in our country. And um, I mean, I think, I think virtually all people, I mean, there's a lot of science out there that we're, we're um, psych- psychiatrists and sociologists have studied and said, you know, what's the status of people with, with the issue of confidence? And, and they pretty much all say the same kinds of things. They say that virtually everybody in the world struggles with confidence at some point at some time. And, um, I mean, there are some statistics that are, that are actually pretty scary when you take a look at them um, about, about, about girls, girls ages 8 to 17. Um, about 7 in 10 girls feel terrible about themselves. I mean, the statistics that you see, um, here's a quick, quick overview. And this is, this is when a scientific study that was done with them concerning how they feel about their, their looks, their performance in school, and in relationships. And virtually 7 in 10, roughly 70% of girls uh, feel like they just don't measure up. And the scary thing about that isn't just that um, that they don't feel good about themselves, but when, when girls um, uh, don't feel good about themselves, statistically they go on and they behave accordingly. 75% of those with low esteem start doing negative disorders that would fall into the category of things like um, uh, negative ac- acti- activities, like eating disorders, cutting, bullying, smoking, drinking. They do things that are self-destructive, um, but here's a little bit of good news in the middle of all that. The scientists also found that adolescents who attend church have higher esteem than adolescents that don't. So parents, it's a good thing to get your kids involved in, in a spiritual place and uh, in a youth group. But, 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 but basically, I think so much of the world population struggles with the topic and with the issues of low self-confidence. But I, I want to talk to you today, as we talk about this, I'm not really interested in talking to you about ego. Okay, Ego is thinking that you have all the answers. I, I want to talk to you about self-confidence. Self-confidence is knowing that you don't have all the answers, but, but knowing that there's a way that you'll be able to get to those answers. So there's a big difference. I'm not, I'm not talking today about ego. I'm talking about confidence. And, and I think some lack of, of, of self-confidence, some lack of confidence is probably present in, for all of us in one area of life or another. I mean, it is for me. I mean, maybe some of you don't struggle with it at all, but I think, I think a lot of people are unsure maybe about their future. We, we feel insecure maybe around other people. Um, you know, maybe you think, I mean, I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to measure up to what my parents have expected. I'm a grown adult now, and I'm still feeling like that. Or, or maybe you, you, you say to, you know, your, to yourself, you know, I'm never going to measure up to what I expect of me. I just, you know, and, and, and a lot of people, this is probably one of the most common, a lot of people are just really not comfortable with the way they look, you know. So, I mean, let's be honest. I can't, I don't know anybody who feels really good about everything about the way they look. I mean, there's something... If I could change these 
37 things, I'd be really happy <laughs> with the way I looked. And maybe it'd be good, though, you know, sometimes I think about that, and I think, you know, how much we kind of focus too much about not being happy with the way we look. I mean, how would you behave, how successful could you be if the world was blind, if you didn't have to measure up to some sort of visual assessment? Anyway, I think, I think we, can make it, we can make this worse, too, with, with self-talk. You know, we start saying negative things to ourselves. You know, don't blow it, Terry. You know, you, know, you probably don't have what it takes. It's like, like, you know, me and plumbing, it's my nemesis. And I've kind of been doing, have, by force, I've had to do some plumbing things recently. And I kind of decided I'm going to quit self-talking. I say, I'm, 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 I'm going to actually change that thing. It's not going to break, and it's not going to leak. And it's a, I'm telling you what, that's a step of faith for me because I break and I leak things. If I t- it has anything to do with water, it's just not good. But we hear our own voices saying these just negative things. And then when we don't have confidence, people have a whole litany of ways that we kind of try to compensate. You know, lots of them. You know, maybe, you know, first off, a lot of people just won't try at all. You don't want to risk the failure, so just don't try at all. Or procrastinating, you know. I mean, I think sometimes people who procrastinate kind of self-handicap. You know, they, 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 they think rather than, instead of risking failure, I'll just wait. And, and somehow in that waiting, they create an environment that guarantees failure. Then they're not responsible for the failure. I mean, I, I, think, I think I see that happening. Or another, another way that people compensate for a lack of confidence is they criticize. They criticize the thing that they actually want, but they can't have, or they don't have. And they criticize that. You know, since I don't have it, I'm going to criticize it. You know? Another thing is that you'll see people actually projecting way more confidence than they actually have. Very, very common. I think people you know, can, can, can and that, the people who sometimes are the most insecure will do that. And you know, I, think, I think that if we were going to kind of try to describe different <laughs> types of insecurity, um, I have some names for them, um, and I want to say in advance, I've been all of these, okay? So I'm not picking on you. This is just Terry time. You know, okay, so here's the, the kinds of ways that I've responded without, a, without confidence. Uh, okay, so there's four categories that I thought. There's probably more. We have people pleasers, butterfly nets, one-uppers, and dancers, Okay, as a people pleaser is the one who says, oh, oh, did you like it? You know, it's really good. You know, can I be your friend? Can I do this for you? Then da 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 people pleasers. Always doing things because the way the other person feels is all important. People pleasers. Another one is the butterfly net. They're always casting about for compliments. Honey, what did you think of the message today? Was it good? Did it change your life? Are you all different because of it? I was such a great, good preacher. I mean, I mean, you know, it's a butterfly net. Or, or another way you'll see that is, you know, a person will post a picture on Facebook. I just feel blah today. And then all these people will respond, oh, no, no, you look beautiful. You look really good. Net, net. Catch that one. You know, butterfly nets. And then there's the one-uppers, you know. Maybe you know a one-upper. You know, someone, you'll say, hey, did you see? I mean, my, my son read a chapter in the Bible today. Oh, that's nothing. My son memorized a chapter. In Hebrew. <laughs> you know, or, you know, I'm going to go away on a vacation. Well, that's, that's nothing. I'm going to go away for a month to an island that I bought. You know, that's <laughs> it's 
like one upper. There's always something, you know, I was sick. Yeah, yeah, you were sick. Yeah, I was so sick I almost died. It was a new disease. They had never seen it before. I almost died. They, 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 in fact, after they saved me, they named it after me. <laughs> Made your cold feel so little. And I think all of us deal with, you know, a, a, a confidence in, in different ways. And then here's another one, you know, the dancers. We kind of dance around the edges. This is, you know, I, the, the prototype of this is the, is the high school or junior high boy who wants to ask Susie Q out for a date. Not that Susie Q, but um, wants to ask Susie out for the date, but he's too afraid, so he sends his friend, hey. And he goes and says, hey, would, would, uh, would, if Jamie asked you out for a hamburger, would you go with him? And so you only ask if you already know in advance because you're dancing around the edges. You don't really want to get in there. And Lots of ways to deal with a lack of confidence. I think, I think the tragedy of all that is, that, is that, that many of us are not living the life that God created us to live because we're too concerned with, you know, insecurities, you know, and, and we're letting those insecurities talk us out of God's calling on our life. You know, it happens all the time. You know, you're, you're, you're not interviewing for some job. You're not seeking some promotion because you're afraid that you're just not good enough. Or, or, or maybe you, you won't go back and finish your degree in school because you figure you're too old. People are going to laugh at you or... Maybe you'll fail, or maybe you, you know, maybe in the church you, 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 you want to be an usher or a Sunday school teacher or you know, work in the hospitality, but you think you're just not spiritual enough. And you know, you've missed these opportunities because of insecurity. Or we don't even try. You know, we don't even try. You, know, you think to yourself, well, I, I really want to become physically more healthy, but I'm just not going to make it. So we don't even try something because we lack confidence. And as we talk about the subject of confidence, I want to be clear about something that's a really important principle here that I want to establish right up front. We don't need self-confidence. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you to be confident in yourself at all here. We don't need self-confidence. We need to cultivate God-confidence. And there's a Big, big difference. So when I talk about you being confident, I'm not talking about you being confident in yourself. I want to encourage you today to cultivate some God confidence. And this idea comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. This is a message translation, but it says basically this. Forget about self-confidence. Forget it. It's not going to do you any good. Forget about it. It's useless. Useless. Then he says to cultivate something. He says, cultivate God confidence. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. Isn't that amazing? We're going to forget about self-confidence because it's useless. Instead, we're going to develop this... We're going to ask God to develop something deeper in us, this faith in God, this confidence in Him. And here's why. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not trying to be self-confident. Sounds really good, but I'm really not. And there's several reasons. First, first one I'll tell you is that my heart is is deceitful above all things. Our heart is deceitful above all things. We have an incredible ability to deceive ourselves. <laughs> we really do. Um, you know, Jeremiah 17 tells us this. And so, so I, I think our heart is deceitful above all things. Another reason we conf- shouldn't be confident in ourselves is our flesh is weak. I can be on one day, spiritually speaking, and off the next day. 
And it can be for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, Paul even says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And you can find that in Philippians 3. And, and that's because we have a sin nature. We should put no confidence in our flesh. And then the third reason, uh, my, my heart is deceitful, my, my flesh is weak. And third is that, that my behavior is inconsistent. You know, I'm passionate about God maybe for four or five or six days in a row and then, you know, some shiny thing <laughs> gets in my way and off I go chasing the shiny thing. You know what the, th- the shiny thing is for you. And you know what? The enemy of your soul knows what the shiny thing is for you too. And we lose focus. So I'm not going to put confidence in myself. I want to cultivate God confidence. Now, don't get me wrong about this. I think that you have been given gifts and skills and capabilities that are sovereignly placed in you, gifts from God. And I think it's a good thing for you to have confidence in the things that he's given you, that he's put into you. That's, 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 there's nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself and doing those things. I'm just saying that if you really want to live a life to glorify God, you'll never do it by, by putting confidence in yourself alone. You just can't do that. can't do that. You need to do it by cultivating God confidence. Psalm 57, 7 says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. We do it by cultivating God confidence. So today, I want to give you three truths to help you cultivate God confidence. And we're going to look at some verses that have the word confident or some other similar word in it and um, let it build within us some, not, not, not self-confidence, but God confidence. And, and as we read these things, um, I want to help you recognize and remember and internalize. Number one, first one is this. My God is always for me. God is always for me. He's always for us. And I think it's sad that an awful lot of people have an inaccurate view of the, of the character and um, the nature of God. They think that God's love, God's favor, his, his, his acceptance to us is tied to our performance. They think that, they think that you know, it's, you know I, I did pretty good today, so God's probably going to answer my prayers or hear my prayers. Or I blew it today. I'm sure God is disappointed, you know, and I, I better not ask God for anything. I mean, we really think those kinds of things. And the reality is that we do fall short. We, we, we don't have consistently good spiritual days. We all fall short. And a lot of people think that, you know, God's out to get me. And God doesn't want to bless me. But here's the fact. Your God is always for you. He's always for you. You know, closest approximation I can get in my own soul is how I feel about my kids. You know, I, of course, had a lot of purpose with me about shaping certain behaviors and characters out of their lives. But what motivated me always was not the opportunity to discipline. I don't like that. I'm willing to do it. But what motivated me was my love for them, what I wanted for them, which is the good things. I never would think, boy, I hope I can catch him with something today. I never think that way about my kids. And God doesn't even get that. You know, every day I would want my children blessed. Every day I'd want them whole. I'd want them well. I'd want them serving God every day. And even when they would do something that disappointed me, I was for my children. It didn't matter. I mean, it mattered because I had to deal with it, but it did not affect at all the fact that I was for my children. Our God's always for us. 
always for us. Roman, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? I mean, because my God is for me, there is no power on earth or in heaven greater than my God, and I believe he's going to get me through this. I, I, I had this um, experience. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed about this. this is ex- you know, I was in fourth, probably fourth grade, and um, my father was a teacher in the elementary school, and um, where I was, and uh, I was in a couple of his classes, which was kind of weird, you know. Your dad was your teacher. I mean, I was not always the easiest student in the school. I probably suppose I thought I was something special because my dad was one of the teachers there, and um, I think I created some problems. I think I made a teacher cry at least once or twice. Is that true, Mom? Yeah, probably. She's being generous, it's certain. I mean, there's, there's one time, this was an old school, um, two-story school, brick schoolhouse in the city of Spokane. You can probably picture it. They're all across the country. Some of them still survive. And um, the, you'd have the classroom and the cloakroom. Remember that? And then the coat hooks were on the wall. I think I did something one time that created such a ruckus that the principal came to the classroom and he picked me up <laughs> and he hooked my belt loops or something on the coat hook so that I'm up at his level while he talked to me. I can't remember what it was. But that is not the story that I was going to tell you today. Um, (laughs) Rabbit trails sometimes are my name. So anyway, so I'm in trouble occasionally at school. So I'm I'm in this class. My dad's teaching. It's PE class. And okay, all you young people do not laugh at me about this. but, But we had in the PE class, we had a session on dancing. And um, my own daughter <laughs> bursts laughing at her dad. <laughs> so it was a combination of circle dancing and square dancing. Yes, that kind of square dancing, you know, do do and all. Anyway, so circle dancing was all these things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how my dad knew these dances. I'm ashamed he knew them. But anyway, so <laughs> we had to do these dances, and um, I, I, they would play this music, and we would do these dances. And um, sometimes they would do what they called a snowball. A snowball dance is you'd have all these kids in the room, and they would pick one boy and one girl, and they would go dance. They would dance with each other, and then somebody would blow a whistle, and they'd stop, and they'd, the boy would go pick another girl, and the girl would go pick another boy, and now there'd be four people dancing. And then every time they blew the whistle, they'd go, and they'd get more. Right? You get the picture. So <clears throat> I remember sitting on the sidelines waiting one time, and... Um, this girl came up and tapped me. It was her, she picked me, and her name was Beth. And I don't know if this is true or not, but in my mind, she was the homeliest, worst-looking girl in the school. I mean, I, I, I mean, okay, this is from the immature viewpoint of a fourth grader, all right? And you know how mean kids can be, okay? That meanness was, de- oh, okay, it's terrible. <laughs> so she comes up, and she does one of these. And I turned and saw it was her, and I was with a group of my friends. And I turned my back to her, and I went, oh. I told you I didn't want to tell you this story. It's, I'm ashamed by this. And, and she heard it and saw it. And I realized the hurt that I had driven down into her soul. And I felt like the heel that I was. It was terrible. So on it, I'm going to go. After the class, look at my mouth is getting all dry now. I feel like I'm in trouble and I'm feeling terrible. I feel terrible about it today. 
after the class, I, I saw in that moment, I, I looked over at my father, who I wanted to please, and I could see the disappointment in his eyes. And I thought, you know, I cannot go back to my other class without talking to him, so I went up to him. And he looks at me, and here's what he said. Terry, I'm proud of you. You're my son. He wasn't proud at all of what I did. But somehow he knew something special in that moment. And something drilled into my soul. It just went in there. The next day, fast forward. The next day, (laughs) dance again. Snowball. I get picked to start. So I got the whole school worth of girls to pick from. And I thought, you know, I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And I went right straight over to Beth. And I picked her to start the snowball. And after class that day, my father said to me something different. He said, I knew you had it in you to do the right thing. My father was always for me. Our God is always for us. And I had a shift of confidence that took place in those moments. Instead of trying to perform for my father's approval, I began to perform from his approval. It was already there. Beth, um, I didn't really have much relationship with her after that. Um, she went on with life, and, and um, you, you would know her under the name Maureen McConnell. She, she's Marsha Brady. Don't, no, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's nervousness because of a lack of confidence, okay? No. But when you have an accurate view of the way God sees you, it changes the way you feel. And it changes everything. Uh, you know, I'm confident in God because he's always for me. I'm not living for God's approval. I'm not trying to perform so he'll like me. I'm living from God's approval. I'm acceptable to God, not based on the things I do, not because of the way I behave, but because of what Jesus already did for me. Amen. And I'm painted with Jesus' approval in the Father's eyes. He's already pleased with me. My God is for me. You need to understand that when you take a step of faith, you know, God is absolutely for you in it. You start doing something, you know, you decide you want to get out of debt. You need to know that your Father in heaven is for you. And he wants to move you forward. If if you're trying to reconcile some broken relationship and you have no idea how to start or what to say, you need to know that God is for you and he's going to help you with things to say. If you need wisdom in a situation... God promises that if you ask, he'll give it liberally, liberally to all who ask, and James tells us that. There are just, our God is for us. You know, you, 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 you want to start a new business? You want to try something new? And listen, God is for you. He's going to help you in the things that are in your heart. I'm not guaranteeing you that you're going to turn into the next, you know, Bill Gates. But God is for you. And he's going to use the things that are surrounding you 
to build you for, 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 to conform you into his image. You know, you're praying for a miracle. God is for you. He wants to hear your heart. And he's going to work through those things in your life to bring about good. We don't have to have self-confidence. We want to cultivate God confidence. And we, we do this by knowing that God is for us. Hebrews 10.35 says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Why? Why does it bring us this great reward? Because God is for us. God is for us. I'm not confident in myself, in my flesh, my heart. I'm, I'm confident in the goodness of God. If, if my God is for me, who can be against me? I'm confident because my God is for me. Number two is this. I'm confident because my God always helps me. My God always helps me. I, I love how the author in Hebrews says this in 13. He says, God has, has, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, we have confidence in God. And this, this is deep spiritual assurance, this confidence. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. And something amazing changes when you know someone's by you that's going to be there to help you. I mean, I mean I'm, I've got this attitude about stuff in our house. You know, it seems like we're always doing some remodeling thing, and virtually everything I do that's remodeling is over my head. And, um, and I, just, I just kind of, at some point, got... Um, I, somebody around me knows how to do everything. And a lot of people who know how to do things would be glad to help, you know. And, and I also concluded that, you know, what's the worst that can happen? So, you know, some bad stuff can happen, that's true. But, you know, it, you know and, and so, like, we were remodeling our... our, our we, had, we had added on a master bedroom bigger and then tr- trying to make a bigger master bath. And um, we decided that we wanted this great big walk-in shower with no door. So it was all tile. Never done any lick a tile really before and thinking it's going to look like a huge mess. And I talked to a friend of mine, a guy named Dave, who's a tile guru. You know, he knows this deal really, really, really good. And we'd never done it before. And so there's some risks. It's expensive. And, you know, I got really no confidence that I can make it look right at all. And, and so I'm talking to him and I was kind of fishing for, you know, maybe I, sh- you should, I should hire you kind of a deal. And here's what he said to me. No, 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 you can do this. You know, um, you can do this. I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I've never done this before. He says, you know, I've done it 10,000 times. I will show you, I will start you. Okay. I'm thinking, okay. If it's getting terrible as he's there looking at it, he'll jump in and save me. Um, so it'll be okay. And, 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 and he came over and um, he says, you do it like this. You do this with the mortar and then you do this with the tile and you put the flat, the level, dot, 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 dot. And I thought, Hey, he puts his pants on one leg at a time, too, just like I do, you know. Um, okay, and so I did two or three of them, and I kept thinking, is this right? Is this? No, no, you're right. And I felt like because the expert was there, my helper was there, that, that, that and, and slap that mortar, and away we went. And now I look back at it now, and I can see the mistakes. I mean, I can. But we've been showering in it, and it's, it's, it works. <laughs> And it, it looks actually pretty good. And I'm not saying God's going to come down and tile your shower. But when you're facing something hard, and you know God is with you, and he's your helper, something of God confidence can, can, can kind of just, you know, 
Maybe your marriage is in trouble. And, and I'm telling you, God will step in and help you bring healing to your marriage. I've watched it. I've watched God do that. It only takes one out of two to say, God, help out and be persistent about it. I mean, I've seen that. Maybe you're stressed financially, you know. God is your provider. He cares about his children. Maybe, maybe you're stirring up in your soul because the Lord wants you to start some sort of ministry to care for people. Maybe it's in this church, maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. But it's scary to you to think that God's going to use you. But he, if you ask him, he wants to help you reach his kids. He wants to help you reach people in need. I spent um, Wednesday with a police officer all over the county, down at this end of the county on Saturday or Wednesday, and I'm telling you what, church, this community needs you. They just need you. There is so much brokenness in this community, and there is so much love and answers sitting in this room right now. It's just uh, God, will, God will get involved. You know, maybe you face a really, really hard conversation. God will give you the combination of love and wisdom that you need. And he'll give it to, gives wisdom to those who ask freely. He gives it freely. Maybe you need peace. God will give that to you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. And that peace, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's beyond what you can explain. It's beyond your understanding. And then he gives us this, his word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's, it's a guide unto our path. God's our helper. One of his Old Testament names um, one of his Old Testament... There's, there are a lot of names of God. He's described lots of ways in the Old Testament. Um, is, is the Lord's my helper. Um, Elim Ozir Lai. Elim Ozir Lai. It literally means God my helper. And you'll find that, him called that in Psalm 54, God my helper. If you're in the middle of some really, really difficult situation, even right now, the Lord is willing to help you. The Lord is willing to help you. And, 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 and maybe you're thinking, you know, it doesn't feel like it. You know, I get that. I think sometimes when we're in the thick part of it, we can't see how God is at work. Sometimes it's not until we get down the road and we see it in the rearview mirror that we go, oh, I see now what God was doing. You know, I mean, I'm not going to bore you now with it. I could tell you plenty of times when, you know, I've faced really difficult issues, and sometimes you just wonder if tomorrow the sun's actually going to come up. It hurts. I mean... And, I mean, I've had situations before where I was um, hurt very, 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 very deeply by someone I trusted, very, very close friend. And following that, I wondered if I could ever be vulnerable again. If I could, if I, if I would ever be willing to open my heart and trust someone that closely again, because it hurt a lot. And God carried it through, and he helped me to trust again. And you look back and you think, you know, I couldn't see at the time, but I know God was helping me. He was carrying me. He was sustaining me. I wasn't by myself. It just shows up in the rearview mirror better sometimes than through the windshield. And because he was with me back then, I know that he's with me now. In fact, Psalm 46, it's one of my favorite verses. It's, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Ever-present help. He's present and he's with us now. Even in those moments where you're fighting back tears of pain, he's there speaking to you and helping you. 
And that's why I don't want to be confident in my own abilities. I, I want to cultivate God confidence. God's for me. God helps me. And this is a good one, number three. God is still working in me. He's still working in me. He's still working in you. When we first got married, we lived in this house um, um, as opposed to a cave or a spaceship. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I don't know why I said the house part. Anyway, so we had dogs. And um, we had a big dog, which meant we needed a big dog food bag. And so we would keep the big dog food bag in the garage. And, um, <laughs> and um, not knowing better, we would keep the big dog food bag in the garage with the top ripped open and then like a big old scoop at the bottom to get the dog food out. But it was always sitting open. And over time, I started noticing these indications that there were these little itty-bitty creatures with four legs and a long tail who worked for Walt Disney crawling around <laughs> in my, in my um, garage. And one, one evening, I stepped out into the garage, and I don't remember what I was wearing, but I was barefoot. And uh, um, so I'm out in the garage doing something, and I hear this, this scratching sound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I, I get my tough on, I got a mouse, I'm going to get the mouse. And I'm listening, and I'm trying to home in, where is that mouse? I can hear the scratching. And then I look all the way across the garage, over by the garage door, or somewhere where it was, and this big bag that's this tall, the top of it's just going, shh, shh. I'm thinking, mouse is in the dog food. Mouse is in the dog food. Okay. Now, all the way over there, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to catch the mouse. And um, I finally get over there, and it's still, I'm getting close. It doesn't know I'm there. I'm getting, and I'm sneaking up on it like this, and I get real close to it, and I get like this, and I lean over. And just as my eyes crested over it, I lean over, it turns, and it sees me. And time froze. <laughs> I was like a science, I'm not kidding, it was like science fiction. And that mouse came running up. I don't know how it did that. You know, the inside of those, like wax or something. It came running up that bag like it had anti-grav boots on. And it went down the other side of that bag, and it hit the floor. And then it ran across the floor and up over one of my feet and between my legs and up over my other foot. And I ran. This all happened in microseconds. I was frozen in time. And then a medical condition doctors call mouse shock kicked in. And starting at the point where those little feet went over my big feet, this word formed, and it jammed up my legs and up my nerves and into my spinal column, and it gained volume and pressure as it went, and it hit the back of my head, and it blasted out of my mouth like a train whistle. <laughs> Only it was an actual word. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you the word. I'm just going to tell you it's up the list, Okay. And I want you to know, I warned you about this before, before I was ever a pastor, I was a human being. And this word came out of my mouth. And it didn't just come out of my mouth, it stuck there. It just went on and on and on, and it was just one word. Lisa was in the kitchen, which had a door to the garage. And um, <laughs> I mean... I, <laughs> I could see when you know, she opened the door, what is going on out there? And, and I could see the look on her face, this combination of 
shock and terror and fear and disappointment <laughs> and laugh. I don't know. She was all this stuff. I mean, just like some of you had. And, but, but buried down in that was this, how could that word have come out of your heart? You know, how could someone who has, you know, Scripture says that it's not the things that go into our mouth that defile us. It's the things that come out of our mouth. The things that go into our mouth pass through. I'm paraphrasing Scripture. But the things that come out of our mouth have come from our heart. I, I took that principle to some use as I was raising my children, and they would say things disrespectful or unloving. And then I would say, what did you just say? Oh, I didn't really mean it. Answer, yes, you did. It came out of your mouth. Scripture says it came from your heart. What's down in your heart that lets that kind of word come out? That's what Scripture says. Anyway, great rabbit trail, but come back to this. That's what I'm realizing in those moments. That was in my heart. If I was to say that word here now, we wouldn't have a church next week. You would all go find a pastor who doesn't talk like that. (laughs) Rightly so, because that doesn't belong there. How could someone who has that kind of a thing in their heart be qualified ever to encourage somebody spiritually, to ever teach them? And I can tell you this. The good news is I'm not confident in my own abilities. I'm confident in God because he's still working in me. (laughs) I'll take that right. (laughs) You know, and I really think um, Philippians 1.6 is going to be encouragement maybe to many of you today. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's not done yet, and that's okay. And some of you need to know this because maybe you're thinking, you know, I did really messed up this week. You feel some guilt and some shame. You need to understand that God is still working with you. He's still working in you. Maybe, maybe you've got some spiritual doubts. Maybe, you know, and you think, I, you know, by this time in my life, I really should be past some of these doubts. <coughs> you understand God's not finished. He's not finished with you yet. He's still working in you. Maybe, maybe you're stuck in some sin, and it's an old sin, and it just stays. And you think, you know what? <laughs> this is terrible. I just, I'm still struggling with this. I want to say to you that God is not finished with you yet. He's not. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're something. I've just been away from God. I've been selfish. I've been, I just haven't been intimate with the Lord like I know I should be. And I'm, you feel bad about it. I want you to know that God maybe brought you here to hear this at this moment. God is not finished with you yet. He loves you and he's for you. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry out, carry it out to completion. You know, I could tell you this, you know, it's kind of like confession time. I mean, you, you might think, well, Terry, you, you look like pretty confident. You get up there and you blah, 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 you know. I'm going to tell you something. I, I want you to know I feel inadequate every single time. I'm not telling you this. I'm not butterfly netting you, okay? But I feel inadequate every single time I step up here. I do. I just feel that no matter what I do, it's going to somehow embarrass God (laughs) or embarrass, well, for sure embarrass Lisa. But I just feel like I'm not 
I haven't done enough. I haven't given enough to the, you know, just. But I'm confident in the Lord. I'm confident in what he will do just with someone who's willing to put their confidence in him. And I go through this little thing that you never even notice probably where I, where I usually step back and then I'm stepping forward and, and I'm not saying anything to anybody. I'm just, just a posture to most people. But in my mind, there's a, there's, it happens every Sunday. There's a point where I step forward and in my mind, I got this conversation with God saying, okay, Lord, Terry's leaving. I'm stepping into this place, this office that you've called me to to teach your word. You better show up or I'm going to really melt because I have confidence in God. I got confidence in God. And not that I'm eloquent, but that his word will never return void. His word will change your life because he loves you so much. I don't know what you're going through today, but I want to say three things to you. He's for you. He'll help you. And he's not finished with you yet. I pray that you will find something of a shift in your own thinking, that you will stop trying to win God's approval and start behaving from his already existing approval in your life. Let's pray. Lord, today, I want to thank you for the, 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 the truth and the power of your word, God, that no person can actually change anybody else. It's by the power of your word, by the spirit, God, that, that you get into our hearts and you shape us into bigger men and bigger women than we've ever been before that you shape us, Lord, into something that we could never choose to become on our own. But by the power and the love of heaven, by the, by the truth of your word, we can be transformed because we, 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 we are already loved and accepted as sons and daughters. We don't have to win that approval from you. God, I pray that you transform hearts today. I pray, Lord, for people here who maybe have a timid temperament. They're gentle and they're quiet spoken. And it, and it sometimes can cause them to be perceived as not being confident. And maybe they just, in their temperament, lack, they just don't have as much confidence. Don't know the reasons why, Lord, but I know this, that you are faithful. You are strong. If you are for us, then who can be against us? I want to pray, Lord, not for bravado, not for butterfly netting, not for all the overly human ways that we compensate for it, but by, by, Lord, a growing, deepening sense of confidence in you that that would permeate us, your kids. And God, I'm thankful that that's what you want for us, that you want us to walk securely and safely knowing that our King loves us, helps us, and is with us. In Jesus' name. Pastor Terry talked earlier about there's going to be things of this earth that we're going to chase after to fulfill us. But if that one thing isn't God, then we're never going to be fulfilled. We're never going to feel secure in, in our life. And so if there's anybody out there right now who, who wants to give up their life to get a life of God confidence or a life that's fulfilled and purposeful, I'm just going to ask you guys to lower your heads and, and close your eyes. And, and just you see our hearts right now. You see where we're at in our daily walk with you, in our daily life of, of any struggles that we're going through, God. But if any of you just want to give your life to God right now, ask him into your heart so that you can walk a purpose-filled life full of joy, full of peace, and full of, full of hope, would you just raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. 
God, we thank you for the security that we have in you, that you give us a confidence that we won't find anywhere else, God. We thank you that you're a provider, and you're the one that we look to, God, in times of struggle. Amen. Church, would you stand up as we sing Christ is all? Oh, Christ is all. Yes, he is. Oh, Christ is all. And all others too will fall. But Christ is all. 